Hey guys, welcome to Dumb Guy Book Club. Welcome to another Dumb Guy Book Club. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your other host, Jacob. How are you guys doing this week? We read uh, a great book this week. I'm in a great mood. Read the entire title to them, Chris. It's about one of the greatest men to ever walk this world. <laughs> it's and one of my personal heroes until I read this book. <laughs> it's called Evil, The High-Flying Life of Evil Knievel, an American Showman, Daredevil, and Legend. This book took me a long time to read because I kept having to put it down and go, hell yeah. Because <laughs> he did a lot of cool shit. And he did a lot of not cool shit. And that is the great mystery that is Evil Knievel. Mm-hmm. Sure is, buddy. Um, I feel like um, in the... Should we address the fact that this is going to be late? No. Okay. It's, it's going to be late. We're right on time. <laughs> uh, I feel like, um, like our last book that I didn't read, there was a lot of parallels between that and the OJ story. That There are a lot of parallels between this and Ham and Ham on Rye. Yeah. This, this is part of our Ham on Rye trilogy. No, well, I'm going to go that far. This book was <laughs> awesome. I, I enjoyed this book. Okay, well, where do you want to start talking about this? Uh, do you know. just want to give a brief overview of the book, what yeah, it covers? Why don't, why don't we give these dumb fucking millennial pieces of shit who've never heard of Evil Knievel because they can't stop looking at Instagram an idea of who Evil Knievel was. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's the greatest showman that's ever lived. Yeah. He was a stuntman, a daredevil, a yeah. gambler, a crook. He was like an alt comic who had one bit, and it was jumping over shit and then crashing at the end. Yeah, he was really bad at, <laughs> at jumping over stuff. <laughs> but boy howdy, did he jump over a lot of things, a mostly of buses. Buses, trucks. He tried to do a canyon. Oh, a pool full of sharks. At one point, he jumps over Pepsi trucks. Yeah. And the author goes, not like the big ones, one of the small ones. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> like, is that a common thing I was supposed to know the different sizes of soda trucks there are? I don't know. I'm sure like, <laughs> like people reading this book were probably people who grew up with Evil Knievel, <laughs> and they knew the difference. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Wasn't one of those pussy tab trucks. It was a <laughs> no. Pepsi truck, buddy. Absolutely. No Royal Cola coming out of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Evil Knievel was, I don't know, kind of a badass. Grew up in Butte, Montana. Mm-hmm. He was a... Uh, Rambler, a gambler. Um, he's a coal miner. Mm-hmm. He's a, uh, a, a an armed robber. He's one of the goddamn greatest insurance salesmen this country has ever seen. That was the weirdest angle of the book. That he was so he works like selling insurance for his company based out of Chicago, and that and just he, worked amazing. He was such a good salesman. He was so good at it. Yeah, he could have been like he could have been the president of that company if that's what he wanted to do. This book is basically Better Call Saul for like a hundred pages of it. It's just this guy selling insurance and doing scams on the side while he sells insurance. It's so amazing. Yeah. No. It's. Oh, man, he was so cool. He had this cane <laughs> that he filled with wild turkey uh-huh. <laughs> so he could drink out of it, but it's also he used to beat people up. <laughs> Remember how Brett Favre was always taking Valium to uh, get back out there on the field? Yeah. Uh, um, Evil's got a kind of similar uh, mindset when it, it comes was, to doing yeah. jumps. He's drinking 100-proof whiskey. <laughs> like a goddamn badass. Brett Favre wishes he was 10% as awesome as Evil Knievel was. <laughs> all right. Well, that sets a good precedent for how we all feel about this book. Oh man, it was so um, cool. Except when it got into like the him beating up his wife, I didn't like that. That stuff's yeah. not bad. The or, or is bad. The armed robbery stuff isn't great either. It's fun loving armed robbery. Never hurt anyone. Uh, sure. Who's to say the thing was even loaded? Um, 
the time when he's running a protection racket out of his hometown, it's a little bit uh, skeezy. Yeah, that's that was kind of I like that. That was kind of funny. <laughs> and then they think a business. He was basically like a one man mafia. Yeah, like if a business wouldn't sign up for his protection, he would just go rob the business overnight. And they all knew it was him too, because yeah. they're like, "Oh, it's evil." That guy, I know that guy is the asshole who breaks into everything around here. I guess I got to pay him, or else he's going to keep doing this. And it worked. <laughs> Damn right it did. Uh, he's the kind of an anti semite. A kind of an anti semite. Yeah, he was an anti semite. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's why I don't, I don't like that. I don't like his racist shit. That's a fucking bummer. Or his hitting his wife shit. That's a fucking... I guess I take... He's not that cool. He's just kind of a, a shiny drunk. <laughs> yeah. Really cool stuff on a bike. Um, he, there was one time where he told a Jewish lawyer from New York, uh, there are three things I don't like in America. Uh, lawyers, New Yorkers, and Jews. And the, the, the guy was like, I still don't know if it was a joke or not. There's a one of the all time great moments in this book, uh, is the scam he pulls on uh, on Caesar's Palace, but uh, he kept one of the parts of this plan, and I want to get into this plan in detail later on. But just to give an idea of his anti semitism, yeah. he'd call with all these fake names pretending to be fake people, and they were all had stereotypical Jewish names. <laughs> he'd be like, "I'm a doctor from so and so, and my name is Mister Goldstein." You yeah, know, stuff like that. <laughs> like, I'm Goldberg. <laughs> Rosenhauer. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's start with the, some discussion questions. All right. Let's do it up, buddy. Um, did you learn something new? Did it broaden your perspective about a personal or social issue, perhaps another culture in another country or region? Um, uh, there used to be a lot of boring stuff on TV. I definitely learned a lot about <laughs> how American entertainment used to be. Sure. It used to be just guys drinking drinks and talking to people. And so they were so bored that they would watch this jackass jump stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I learned a lot of um, low-level scams yeah. that rely on almost no skill whatsoever, but, but just being a bully to the person that you've... Mm, just, uh, yeah, yeah, silver tongue. Here, here's, do you mind if I read one of these real quick? Go for it. So he's in a pool hall. This is when he was a younger man in his hometown. And he goes... Uh, uh, he's... Do-do-do-do-do. Uh, uh, if he came up to your front door to pick up your daughter, no, this isn't the one. Oh my gosh, we're going to edit all this out. Yeah, if you actually do it. I will. I will actually do it. I I don't know why it's not going to do it. Let's just go here. Uh, here's the, he goes, I'll bet you that my penis is soft longer than your penis is hard. He suggested more than once as an example of a proposition. <laughs> he kept bringing it up. So here's the way this this scam works, right? And he, apparently he did this multiple times. The it's other kind of brilliant. The other guy gets his dick hard, and then he goes, "Look how long my dick is." And then uh, in the pants, his dick is hard in the pants. Yeah, I, you know what? Though I wonder. <laughs> well, that's part of the scheme. Sure. Uh, and then uh, evil would go. No, the bet is that my penis will be soft longer. Then your penis is hard for so my penis is going to be soft all day. And, but I don't understand how the original person has to view the setup for this as this is a literal dick measuring contest. My hard dick length versus his soft dicks length. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it just... <laughs> like, I don't understand the scam part It's a of battle this. of semantics. <laughs> that's yeah, It kind of seems just that lame, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's 100% what it is. And then the guy's like, fuck you, I'm not paying. Evil, evil, evil Knievel's kind of like a, like a tough fighter guy. 
<laughs> yeah. So he'd get in their face and be like, hey, Jesus, here's your $10, man. Uh, so I, that's definitely a big thing I learned from this book. He does a lot of stuff like that. At one point, he threatens, and a lot of them are penis-based, too. I was really surprised by how many penis-based uh, uh, scams he pulled off. Most of his scams were penis-based. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, do you want to go to the next question here? Yeah. <laughs> All right. It is. Uh, Pick that up. I did indeed. Nice. Uh, do the issues affect your life? How so directly on a daily basis or more general? Um, no. How? Let me ask you a question. Let me answer that question with a question. How would <laughs> any issues brought up in this book affect my life? I feel like there's a lot of good advice on um, how to uh, promote our podcast. I don't. You don't? No, because it's, this is the internet age, baby. All right. No one's going to listen to this. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I feel like we could pull off some of the shit he pulls off, right? Okay, like what? We the, Here's the secret. All right, let's talk about how he gets to jump over Caesar's palace. Okay. So one of his big jumps is the Caesar palace jump. And the, here's the move he does, right? So he calls the, oh, the owner of Caesar's palace pretending to be one of the dudes from Wacky World of Sports. Wild's world. Sorry. And he goes, hey, what's with this evil Knievel guy everyone's talking about who's going to jump the fountain? We want to be there. Also, and I'm Jew McGoldstein. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is probably what he said. <laughs> and then the Caesar's Palace guy goes, what are you talking about? I've never heard about any of this. And then he keeps calling under fake pseudonyms like yeah. fake SI. Why can Mrs. Doubtfire? And literally will say stuff as lame as like, everyone out here can't stop talking about this evil Knievel guy who's going <laughs> to jump over your fountain. <laughs> and so he does this for like a few days, and then he calls pretending to be evil Knievel's lawyer. And definitely he used a very fake Jewish name for that one. I mm-hmm. remember that in particular. And he goes... Hey, my client didn't agree to jump over the Caesar's Palace fountain. I, I'm going to sue you for using my famous client, Evil Knievel, who is a nobody at this point, uh, his name to try to promote something he's not doing. And he goes, I'll give you one chance to straighten it out, and you meet Evil, and you'll figure something out. And then Evil shows up, and he just goes, you know what, man? I didn't want to do this, but I'll just, you know what? Just pay me to jump your fountain, and I won't sue you. He, like, totally makes up this whole fake scenario to just, like con his way into this job it's so amazing. okay so how does how are we just start calling people yeah. like no you can't listen to my client's podcast <laughs> yeah we're gonna call the av club and we're gonna people, say they'll just google us <laughs> and be like oh 13 people on soundcloud gave this a heart we're gonna say this is chuck klosterman i just okay. got done listening to this amazing podcast i really think you guys would appreciate i'm also kind of bummed out that it wasn't about how women let you down secretly <laughs> like all of my books yeah, and then we do that until the AV Club does write about us, and then we call our lawyers and we say, we didn't give you permission to write about us. It's not, it's not going to happen, Chris. <laughs> All right, I thought it was a good plan. No. It's a, it's actually a pretty bad plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? You got me. Does the offer, does the offer, does the author uh, offer solutions to the issues raised in the book? No, he just talks about them. Mm-hmm. He just talks about how like Evil Knievel is like drunk and like an anti-Semitic racist. That's it for the most part. Yeah, yeah. he just brings it up. But he doesn't say like, now this is. I think there's like one point where he's like, keep in mind this was you know, 
this was, you know, a couple generations ago. He like does some like bull, some bullshit excuse like that. But yeah. No, he's not like. He's basically hero worshiping evil can evil in his book for sure. And even the parts where evil is doing like bad things, they uh, they get like brushed over pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, what was the most surprising part of Evil Can Evil story for you? Uh, the turkey wild turkey cane <clears throat> was surprising. Yeah. Do you want to go into that and explain in more detail? It's just a hollowed out cane. He'd filled up with whiskey. <laughs> yeah. He would drink out of it in public. <laughs> it's genius. If I was still a drinker. I would do that. Now, why did he walk with a cane? Because he, he hurt himself all the time. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, he pushed his leg bone into his pelvis so hard he crushed his pelvis. Yeah, I was going to try to get like an infograph, <laughs> an infographic that I could like read about all the injuries, but there's so many. It w- that would take the length of the podcast. And a big thing this book points out is that he lied about a lot of his injuries. Like, after Caesar Palace crashed, they, you know, they him and his promoter you know, lied that he had been in a coma for 29 days when in reality he was like out of the hospital the next night. Yeah. Um, so that makes it hard as well to know what the truth is. Did preconceived notions of this person change after reading the book? 100%. I thought he was just kind of this cool badass. <clears throat> like, you know, was this Lothario and jumping shit on his motorcycle and just like gambling, <laughs> real flashy, cool guy. Yeah. He rode motorcycles. But he was a bad man. He cheated on his wife, and he was open about it, and she knew about it. He didn't give a fuck about his kids. And it's like they talk about. I'm not gonna say it's reported because that's like how some fucker talks about NFL players. <laughs> he hit his wife and kids. Like he's a racist, called black guys slurs, called mm-hmm. Jewish people slurs. I just, I really liked Evil Knievel growing up because like my dad introduced me to him, and like now I'm just kind of you know. I don't care for him. I was planning on getting an evil Knievel tattoo. Not anymore, though. Sorry, buddy. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it's not like... But yeah, my preconceived notions of who he was changed 100%, though. Um, Do you want to go through some of our favorite passages from the book? Should we do a couple more questions? Uh, No, I think it's time. Um, Yeah. Because we have a lot of the... I mean, at least I have a lot, I think, I'd like to talk about. Okay, I love this one. <laughs> okay. Okay, um... This is uh, when he's on the Dick Cavett show. <clears throat> he's talking about ju- one of his jumps. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. I've been called a lot of things by a lot of people. A crazy man. A con man. But when you head down that long white line, you better have made your peace with God or know what you're doing. Because a con man ain't going to get there. <laughs> That's badass as hell. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. That's such a cool like look like outlook. Um, this and is. <laughs> That's how he like. Ap- That's how he approached everything he did. He just went in. Blinders on, focused, guns ablazing. Yeah, and what happened happened. <laughs> uh, this is an example of what kind of like a weird uh, relationship uh, evil can evil had to money. This is in the beginning of the uh, old book here. Uh, he eventually reached a level of success where he bought Italian sports cars on whims. Nothing more than that. Bought an 80-foot boat because he needed a place to stay for a night. <laughs> he, leased, he leased jet airplanes. He had a bulletproof golf car built, armor-plated, because he kept making holes in it in the fiberglass body of the previous golf cart when he hit a bad shot and then swung his club at the cart in anger. He built a house on the 16th fairway of the Butte County Club, staples and horses in the back. He bought jewels and fur coats, carried his magic cane that he would unscrew at the top to reveal three ready-to-drink vials of whiskey. 
He would take a $20 bill, crumple it into a ball, and throw it out the window of a moving car. Just like that. Money was nothing. This is a, And then this is someone from his hometown telling a story. Bobby robbed me, the owner of a coma lounge in, in Butte Bar, once said back at the beginning. That hurt because we were friends. The place was broken into during the night. I figured it was Bob. A few weeks later, someone broke into the coma lounge again. This time, the robber happen, robbery happened in reverse. The robber left the amount that he had robbed the first time, plus $100. <laughs> <laughs> the owner in Knievel's presence remarked on the good fortune just to see what Knievel would say. Aren't you going to buy a round? That's what Knievel said. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I just love he's like this dude. He's literally like loan robbing people, <laughs> like his friends. He's not even asking him for money. He's just like, I'm going to rob their store, but I'll, I'll pay them back by robbing the money back into their store at some point. <laughs> his grandparents were bootleggers? Like my grandparents? That was cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to find that passage where he... Put that gun That's, toward, toward right. George Hamilton's head. Oh, I'm, I have a different one, one here. Uh, so this is um, he's working his fake uh, his fake cop job he made up so he could run a, a, uh, a protection racket. He's like in his early twenties at this point, uh, and this is uh, an altercation he got into with a guy once. Uh, he carried a gun on a regular basis and was not afraid to show it. One of his stops on social nights was Yellowstone, one of the tougher bars in Butte. He was in there one night talking, yapping, fooling around with some other younger guys. Normal stuff. One of the old regulars took offense. He said that the young guys were too noisy. He asked the bartender to throw them out. Maybe he placed a hand on Knievel while he spoke. Knievel took offense. He tapped the regular guy on the shoulders. Open your mouth, he said. What? Open your mouth. The regular opened his mouth. Knievel, in one fluid motion, pulled a pistol from his boot and shoved it in the man's mouth. <laughs> what do you say now, he asked. Am I still too noisy? <laughs> That's so intense. I couldn't believe that reading that. I was like, yeah, it's a real upgrade. Like At this point, he's just kind of done like petty robbery shit. And now he's like, <laughs> like full-on threatening to murder people. <laughs> yeah, okay, here's some promoter who is like, working with Knievel. Um, Evil Knievel made his like ten year old or ten to thirteen year old son take a shot of wild turkey. <laughs> right, right, I remember that. <laughs> <clears throat> and here's what the guy said about it: instead of being upset that Evil Knievel insisted, uh, he said it was okay. Ted Pollock said later about his son's debut with hard liquor: "There's worse things to say than you had your first drink of whiskey when you were ten years old with Evil Knievel." <laughs> there are worse yeah, things you can say, men. but I don't think there's a lot of better things you can say. You know. <laughs> I don't remember who this guy is. This is um, this is some celebrity who showed up, like some uh, um, uh, politician or something that showed up to his uh, his canyon jump. He jumped over. He didn't unsuccessfully jumped over a canyon in the shitty rocket car thing he built. Uh, but uh, there was all these bikers that showed up to it, uh, and this is a moment that he observed. Uh, they mostly were all males, but there were a couple women, too, he reported. Right near me, three or four guys, big guys, grabbed one woman and ripped all of her clothes off, just like that. Then they held her in the air horizontally. Then a succession of other males proceeded to have oral sex with that woman, <laughs> who did not seem to mind. <laughs> Unger looked back into the bus. All of the executives and all of their wives had witnessed this display. I wondered, he said, what was my future with the company might be? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you, you get these Hell's Angels guys to come to your party. No good. So uh, George Hamilton um, 
the real tan dude mm-hmm. actor, uh, produced a movie and started a movie about Evil Knievel's life. It's just like a shitty B picture. And uh, he had this guy write it, and they sent the script to Evil Knievel, and he was really pissed off. And so Evil Knievel said it was shitty, and some rewrites had to be done. And uh, he demanded that George Hamilton came to his hotel in Hollywood. <laughs> so this is when George Hamilton shows up. This was when Knievel pulled the gun on him and made him read. I don't think Evil Knievel read very much, if at all, Hamilton said. Someone had read the script for him and told him that it said some bad things about his sister. I don't know what the hell he was talking about. I think it might have been some of the stuff about kidnapping his wife. He pulled the gun, and I never read better, never talked faster. I explained the scenes to him. I finally convinced that it was all, had him convinced that it was all right. He was making suggestions to me by the end. Could you imagine that? He's fucking this huge star. Yeah. Hey, come to my shitty hotel room, and he pulled a gun on him. He was always doing shit like that. He was a crazy person. Uh, oh, boy. He, uh, he pulls a gun on way more people than I expected he would be pulling guns on, that's for sure. Um, This is when he was... Uh, I just... I just like I just think this is funny. This just made me giggle, so I highlighted this about when he was trying to get a sponsorship <laughs> deal with Harley. Okay. You couldn't wear a beard or long hair if you worked with Harley back then. You'd be fired in a moment. The word the company hated most was hog. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do talk. Oh, here's a big culture thing they talk about. I had nothing. I had no idea about. They do talk about the shift in biker culture and the like mid '60s to try to like get rid of like the Hell's Angels to being like. motorcycles are a family friendly thing. Like they talk about this campaign Honda did to make like riding a motorcycle seem suburban. Uh, so weird. Yeah. They're like the friendliest people drive Hondas. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And it's like, this totally idea to motorcycles are now they're just they're just toys for rich people. Yeah. There are a lot of motorcycles in the suburbs, at least the one I grew up. in. Yeah. Um, this is uh, right after he has failed. Well, he sort of jumps over uh, the Caesar's Palace fountain, and then he fucks up at the end. Uh, and this is uh, one of uh, his friends coming to see him in the hospital. Sitting in a chair outside of Evil's room was his wife, Linda. The engineer said, I introduced myself. She was very nice. She told me to go inside. And, well, it was classic Evil Knievel. He was in the room with a blonde go-go dancer. His wife is outside in the chair. He's in there with this blonde. <laughs> is he in the hospital? Yeah. He's, his wife is not in the hospital room with him. It's some woman he's seeing. Well, okay. It's a go-go. It's, she's she has a job. I think there's an implication. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, sounds like you're making that up, but go on. All right. I Is that think it? he cheated on his wife. Oh, a lot. Yeah, no, he's very open about <laughs> she knew. She didn't mind spending all of his money, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Raising those Gorilla kids. mindset. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strong. You will lose your wife, your job, your, your friends. friends <laughs> if you are not ready for the gorilla mindset. <laughs> Start being an asshole so everyone cut him out of their lives. It's too strong for some people. <laughs> Uh, can I read something really quick? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is when they're making that movie that George Hamilton was in. Right. Um, and he was going to do, he did all the stunts for the movie. <laughs> um, so they had to do this, like a reenactment of one of his jumps. And uh, this is 
uh, what it is written in the book. He did have one obvious problem. He had jumped nine cars a day earlier in a practice session at Ontario, and the handlebars had collapsed and he had broken his right hand. The hand was useless, but he did not give that as an excuse. (laughs) How will you jump with a broken hand, Hamilton asked. I'll tape it to the handlebars, Knievel said in a tone that would be used with a schoolchild. It's just logic, George. If your hand is broken, you put tape on it. <laughs> I just like how that was his like, dumbass. Like, I'm just gonna tape it to the goddamn handlebars. Um, God, he just like, you know what he is? Is he's the most successful carny of all time? Absolutely, 100. percent That's exactly what he is. Okay, because all the time he's he, so he joins all these like stunt shows. And all these other stuntmen are like, he's terrible at this, but he would just do any stunt you threw in front of him. Like, they do a stunt at one point when he's, like, on the stunt circus where they just set pallets on fire, and then they ride their motorcycle into them. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I'd pay money to watch that happen. Um, oh, this is funny. A reporter was, like, asking him about some jump he's about to do, and he's like, yeah, you're pretty fearless. Do you fear anything? Yes, he said. VD. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a true everyone's drunk grandpa is evil can evil. <laughs> I I like how he always went to a, a bar on Sunset Boulevard called Filthy McNasties. <laughs> <laughs> and he hung out with two brothers who <laughs> changed their last name to McNasty. Um I want to talk about his days as an insurance salesman. Um at one point he like breaks the sales record for the company he works for and he gets to write a letter for their news <laughs> for their uh like internal newspaper uh and the letter he writes is my like all-time crazy like business person nonsense he goes uh you asked me to tell you how i broke the record last week in daily and weekly sales well to tell you the truth it wasn't very hard after i conceived in my own mind that i could do it he said i enjoyed it and had a lot of fun all it takes is accepting the challenge to do it I'll admit, I worked long hours during that one day and all through the week, but I had a lot of fun. And he closes the letter, and all, he literally in all caps, like some weirdo typing on the YouTube comment section, I'll make you another promise. At our next regional sales meeting, you'll have another letter telling you how I broke both my own records along with the 1964 national sales record. That's a promise. Bob <laughs> Knievel. And so he writes this crazy fucking letter. <laughs> And then he goes and sees his boss, and he goes, I want you to make me the vice president of the company. He's literally been working at this place for like six months, maybe a year. And they go, no, that's not how it works. And he goes, fine. And so he quits. He's the world's greatest insurance salesman, and he just walks away from it all because they won't make him vice president. Yeah, go, go big or go home, dude. That was, that was what got him to be a star. That's true. I mean, he'd... It'd be a damn shame if he ended up being the best insurance salesman in the world. I, I don't know. I think there's a chance... That doesn't put asses in seats. <laughs> There'd be like some doc... He'd be like some... Pulling some Ponzi scheme. He could have become like the greatest white collar criminal He could have been like, bigger than Bernie. Way bigger, Yeah. He would, he would be Bernie Madoff times 100. Oh, I call Bernie Madoff Bernie just to piss I, off uh, <laughs> Bernie Sanders dorks. Um, I, I mean, we all knew who you meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to talk about the parallels between Evil Knievel and Trump? Oh, so many. That's kind of a bummer. I forgot about that until now. Um, well, Trump did that same thing where he would have he would pretend to be like his assistant or whatnot if people called his phone. Like he would make... He said, "This was this. He seemed to make changes sometimes, simply to make changes to prove that he was in charge. Sound familiar?" <laughs> um, yeah, people talk over and over again about how he was just like an egomaniac. Like every decision he made was just to make himself look good. 
Um, he some guy like made a joke at his expense in front of a bunch of reporters and people, and he and he like, pulled them aside and said, "Don't ever insult or like, kid me other than in private, or we'll have to part company." Thank you, evil. <laughs> that sound like somebody. Um, here's another thing. I'm so famous that if the youth of this country voted for president tomorrow, I'd probably win. He said to the reporter, "I have to have." A 24-hour guard on my house in Butte, Montana to protect my privacy. I make more money for personal appearance than Elvis Presley and Liberace combined. I'm evil Knievel. <laughs> Who's that sound like? Like uh, the old uh, president of these here United States of America. Yeah, it's kind of sickening, right? Not my president. I, another thing I like about him is how he he kept saying, like, Burt Reynolds was going to be at his job. <laughs> yeah. That's another tool we could use for this podcast. If we ended every podcast with Burt Reynolds is going to be on the next episode, we would get so many more people listening. <laughs> Do you think we can get Burt Reynolds on? I don't know. Only one way to find out. Guys, next week, we're going to tune in next week. We're going to try to get uh, Burt Reynolds on. See if he's here. Okay. So this is the funniest way anyone's ever denied allegations of anti-Semitism. If any son of a bitch in Chicago says I'm anti-Semitic, he said, I'm going to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the most Trump thing he said, really, honestly. Um, I don't think he was anti-Semitic now because of that. <laughs> He's gone. He can't beat you up anymore. I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, here's another Trump parallel. Uh, this is the way you had to work with him, Harry O said years later. Make him think everything was his idea. <laughs> that sucks but I mean no I mean that's that one's too that one's too real <laughs> I got nothing okay um couple quick announcements um I saw Sepultura on Tuesday mm-hmm. it was fucking awesome yeah it's like honestly one of the best shows I've seen in a long long time so if you're one of our listeners who is like into like really badass like thrash metal or mm-hmm. hardcore music Check out the new album, Machine Messiah. I can't stop listening to it. That's just a little free advertising for those dudes because they're awesome. Also, I'm starting another podcast called With Bated Breath. It's where me and my cohorts, Terrence Hartnett and Ian Erickson, find the best erotic fan fiction on the web, and we read our favorites and share them with you. That'll be up and running shortly, so check that out. And Chris has nothing to do with it, so mm-hmm. it'll be really good. It'll be better. Really, honestly. No, we'll get less listeners because <laughs> we really rely on your friends. That's true. Who don't <laughs> like me. They all love you. All um, right, to tell them to email us. I want If you're Chris's friend and you listen to this, email us and say if you like me or not. Please, really do that. Um, uh, and, you know, and then if be you, honest. If you say I'm anti-Semite <laughs> or if I have any kind of prejudices, put your name and address in there. I'll, I'll pull you out in the street. I'll teach you a lesson you'll never forget, buddy. Um, as long as we're making announcements about bands we like, um, Rad Payoff, who does our intro and outro song. Oh, their new album. They got a new album coming out, and I think they got some... It's uh, already out. It's already out? Yeah. It's well, called well, Slow well. and Weird. It's on Spotify. Uh, fucking listen to it. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. I listened to the single from it. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. Uh, it's like perfect shitty day weather music. Awesome. Um, I love it. Um do we know what we're doing next week? Not yet. We'll figure it out. Um, um, it'll be awesome, though, no matter what it is. Yeah, it'll be really good. We just, like, kind of, this is more or less a turnkey operation for us now. <laughs> I mean, this is getting, I we just read books and our personalities do all the footwork. It's pretty great. It's easy. 
Um, it's I'm not, really I, funny. Chris is really funny. This is like the easiest fucking thing I do. So it's like, yeah, I don't even know what we're gonna read. I could read. We could read a fucking menu to you idiots, and you'd fucking eat it up. Absolutely, you lamp it up. All sixty of you come back every week. <laughs> yeah, or don't. I don't give a shit. Please come back. I'm kidding. I'm trying to do an evil Knievel thing right now. <laughs> I love every single one of you. Um. <sighs> oh no. He seems so defeated. What's wrong? I don't know. I'm just kind of bummed about evil. <laughs> also, today's Saturday, and I woke up at 1 p.m., and I feel like I wasted my Saturday. I'm not even drinking. And like when I was drinking, I'd be like, yeah, that's what happens, man. You should wake up late sometimes. But now, <laughs> now I'm just like, oh, you're a piece of shit. No, but now you just get to say that in general. That's what happens sometimes. You wake up at 1 p.m., you know? <laughs> hey, that's what happens sometimes, man. That's how it goes. All right. Well, I think this has been a good episode. We'll see. Whoa. <laughs> unbelievable. What do you mean unbelievable? You always say that. I don't. It's my catchphrase. I'm trying to get it on a mug. I thought your catchphrase was, uh, oh, look at those big gigantic melons. I like them so much. And then my tongue rolls out of my mouth and across the table. Yeah, like a cartoon wolf. <laughs> it's very gross. People hate it. I don't. In fact, I love it. That's why we're friends. All right, guys. Well, uh, Godspeed. Hopefully Christ blesses your uh, week. Uh, Amen. Hail Satan. Hey, guys. This is Jacob. Thank you so much for listening to Dumb Guy Book Club. If you have any questions or concerns or a recommendation, perhaps, we'd love to hear it. You can shoot us an email at dumbguybookpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at dumbguybookclub. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Blowery. That's J-A-C-K-B as in boy, L-O-W-R-E-Y. I suggest you follow Chris Rice as well. That's at Chris Rice Party. If you like our intro song, it's called The Skim by Rad Payoff. I suggest you find him on Spotify if you like kick-ass bands. Thanks a lot and have a great night. <laughs>